Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Sydney Edwards, bringing you all the latest tech updates, warehouse news, any kind of developments happening in the cold chain world. Now, if you've seen Running on Ice, the show, then you know Running on Ice, the newsletter. I write a cold chain newsletter every Wednesday and Friday that talks about the same things, all these updates, and tonight is no different. But before we get to our guests of the day, I want to talk about some industry updates. So let's get into some headlines. Now, Greater Omaha Express, known under beef supplier Greater Omaha Packing Company, announced the purchase of Universe Trucking Co., another Nebraska-based business that specializes in refrigerated shipping for meat. In an article from Fleet Owner, the acquisition will grow Greater Omaha Express's for-hire fleet by 20%, adding to its efforts in serving retail and food service customers. Greater Omaha Express has nearly 1,450 employees and ships beef to more than 70 countries. The article goes on to say, in the last eight years, Greater Omaha's truck fleet has quadrupled. The deal is expected to be complete by July 15th. And Cold Chain Technologies is partnering with Air Cargo Belgium, who represents the air cargo community at the Brussels airport, including airlines, handlers, forwarders, airport authority, and other stakeholders. In a press release from CCT, the thermal packaging company says the goal of this affiliation is to increase cold chain efficiency for air cargo industry, a goal ACB shares as well. Now, the air cargo service is headquartered at Brew Cargo and pushes innovation in its logistical platform. And Arcadia Cold has broken ground once again in Atlanta, Georgia, with Saxon Real Estate. In a press release, the company says this site will host a frozen and refrigerated distribution facility with over 44,000 pallet positions possible. It will be designed to handle high-volume services, including full pallet management and case picking. The cold storage site is located in the southwest side of the city near U.S. interstates 85, 285, and 20, and will service other southeastern states with direct access to Savannah, Charleston, Jacksonville, and Mobile. When complete, Arcadia Cold says this facility will play an important role in allowing Arcadia to serve food manufacturing and end-user demand more quickly and efficiently. Now, let's get to the fun stuff. I am joined today by Rob Forsyth. He is the co-founder and CEO of Milk Movement, emphasis on the moo here. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's a happy, happy Friday. So I do want to get into some things. First, tell me, give me some of your background and how you actually became involved in Milk Movement. Absolutely. So my background is actually not in dairy, but it is in a supply chain of a different sort. Um, So I was in oil and gas for a few years out of college. Um, working with Worley Parsons on an ExxonMobil project on the east coast of Canada. Uh, but more importantly to this, when I was in college, I met a good friend, John King, who is now my co-founder, and he was working in dairy at the time um, at one of Canada's dairy boards, uh, Dairy Farmers Newfoundland and Labrador. And when he was there, um, really became very aware at how little or few software providers there were custom to dairy um, and how off-the-shelf solutions just didn't work. And there's a hell of a lot of pen and paper and Excel sheets uh, in the industry as well. So um, he set out to change that and built Milk Movement and then brought me in uh, in 2018. What exactly were your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. He said, come join the dark side, the dairy side, and join me in this venture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, he says, there's a saying that once you get in dairy, you never get out. It's a very unique set of skills. Um, and so he's he's been in it in a few different ways. And now I I guess I didn't know I was signing up for that. But um, I think I've got a life in dairy now as well. There we go. Now, I want to get into what you were saying. Your, your partner had noticed that there's a need for this, right? And 
I want you to explain a bit about what you were seeing when it came to farmers and producers out there in the field, what they were actually working with before a product like Milk Movements. It's absolutely regional, we find. Um, but in Canada and, and much of the U.S., um, it's often homegrown legacy systems. Um, I even say that that's a good thing, uh, which from the tech world is, is kind of crazy to say. Um, but we see very elaborate spreadsheets. We still see manual pen and paper. Um, the biggest source of paper is that drivers are often using um, you know, carbon copy slips to do all their pickups and drop-offs. So they'll go to a farm or a producer. They'll enter the weight, um, the temperature, things like that. They'll take the milk to a plant and they'll um, enter their drop-off. And then that piece of paper or that carbon copy gets ripped in six pieces and sent all across the industry. Uh, what then happens is each of those receivers, so the plant and the lab and the farm and the co-op, uh, they all enter what's on that slip into their own database, um, whatever database that may be. And so you can imagine um, from human error, from timing, that everyone has a different idea or a different perspective on what's happening at dairy at a given time. So when we go into a new region, um, I often say, like, do you know, can you tell me how much milk is in transit right now at this moment? And um, there's really no way for them to know that. Or if I said, could you tell me how many trucks are actually clustered around this plant waiting to drop off? They wouldn't know that unless they walked to the plant and counted them. Um, so we bring real-time visibility to the trucks, um, to the lab results, to really everything in the supply chain uh, to help it run smoother. So we do have, you, you've sent me a couple of uh, images of the site and milk movements work. And I'd like to kind of get into this technology a bit. If you could tell me exactly what milk movement is doing then specifically for maybe the drivers or the industry suppliers. Um, and we can bring up actually some of those slides as well. I think we've got some going right now. Yeah, the first one's perfect for drivers. So that's our driver app. It's on the iOS. It's on iOS or Android. Um, this is replacing that pen and paper system that I mentioned. Um, we like to say we're doing the impossible. We're getting dairy truck drivers um, on an iPhone and doing their pickups and drop-offs. So the brilliant part of this is that not only, like I mentioned, that you wouldn't get access to data until the end of the day, um, now you see what's going on at any given moment, um, but we also see driver locations and truck locations. Um, so we can start looking for clusters of you know too, many, too long wait times at plants, and we can maybe reroute or help a cooperative reroute a truck to a different plant if we think that uh, it, the delay is going to keep going. Um, so there's a variety of things. That's really how we get all of the quantity information in the system. But then separately, it's really a set of portals. Um, labs enter the quality data. So we're talking protein levels, um, fat content, all those, you know, butter fat, everything that the industry pays on, they're entering that into our system all, all the time as well. Um, and then the, this is an example of what our portals look like. So then um, your cooperative, who is our main paying client at the time, um, they get their admin portal where they're really seeing everything they need to see in their industry. This is a producer portal. So this is what a dairy farmer would actually see. They see time since last pickup, average production. They can actually compare against their region as well. So um, are they stacking up? How are they stacking up against the farms in their region? Um, things like um, how is their bacteria level, somatic cell counts, et cetera. Um, and the plants as well um, get their own portal. So it's really a set of portals. But more importantly, it's a set of everyone understanding what's going on at any given moment. Um, we just remove the ambiguity from the supply chain. So how exactly would this tech be different from maybe others in the food industry? Of course, tech is huge right now. Quality assurance is huge. And But how would that be so different for something in dairy? Yeah, we find that dairy is just unique enough that off-the-shelf solutions don't cut it. Um, and the spin-off effect of that is that uh, cooperatives or even processors and large CPG companies, they're then reliant on 
employees to build, we see crazy spreadsheets, like I mentioned, and very elaborate models, um, because we find their software off the shelf only gets them 80% of the way there. And then you then, you know, the real issues come when people are running their own manual processes in the background. Um, and you don't really know how they're getting to their numbers. And then that's why there's so much disagreement about the data in the industry. Um, so, you know, even the large ERPs like Oracle and SAP, um, we're not here to replace them. But we're at the time, we're here to be an add on. We're that agile layer between them um, and the end user in dairy, because we know how farmers get paid. And that's in the system. We know what temperature milk needs to be. And that's all in the system. Um, we're really providing dairy the, the actual custom solution they need. And when it comes to people moving this product, do drivers have to be trained any differently from just regular, maybe cold other cold products that they're moving? Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, it, dairy is unique. So um, they're actually the first source of, of quality testing. And it's usually a visual test to make sure that the milk looks like it should and that there's nothing in there that shouldn't be there. Um, there's also smell tests in dairy. There's The drivers need to be trained um, on actually being a, a milk uh, receiver. And then they uh, they obviously don't have to know how to work that the truck as well, um, how to load it, things like that, and then get it to the plant. And uh, yeah, they, this is a different um, type of training for sure. I never thought about a smell test for a driver. Of course, I do the smell test on milk all the time. <laughs> yeah, Any kind of exactly. milk product. It happens at the stores. <laughs> they have to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned yep. other regions being very different, their information um, being different the way that they're logging it and whatnot. But how exactly, I guess, is milk movement um, versatile to these different regions? How does that work out for all these different companies? Yeah, we like to say, so we started on the east coast of Canada um, in Newfoundland, like I mentioned, and then I'm based in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, Canada is the last, um, you know, supply managed country, dairy industry in the world. Uh, and so we like to think that if we can build a, a software that works for that industry, then we can build a software that works for any dairy industry. Um, what I think, you know, we found is that over across the world, we have a client in Australia as well. Um, across the world, the dairy is very traditional, right? Which is what we're trying to fix and resolve is bring it, you know, bring some modernization to it. But it does mean that most dairy um, industries are running the same or very similar. There's a cooperative model. There's, you know, large CPG plants. Um, they all work quite well together. And so our system, it's more about customizing, um, you know, on the pricing of things or how quality is tested. That's really that kind of last 10%. The system itself, getting milk from farm to plant and how it gets tested in, in between, um, it's pretty unique or it's pretty uh, standard across the world. I guess I, I wouldn't have assumed that everyone was kind of doing the same model. I didn't really think about that. So you'd mentioned course, earlier... The, I'll, I'll say that the stakeholders, of course, are, um, I mean, you know, the makeup and and how large the organizations are and, and kind of the power dynamics absolutely shift. Um, but getting milk from a farm to a plant is pretty much the same. I know you'd mentioned a couple of people that you've been working with, some of the, you know, you just mentioned Australia worked in there. But who exactly or who all does Milk Movement uh, work with when it comes to maybe how many farms you guys are working on? Um, maybe any users that you can mention? Yeah, so we have, um, we actually start with the cooperative. And I like to always give a quick Dairy 101 because most people, um, you know, you don't need to know how the milk gets to your shelf. Um, so there's a dairy farm producer, they ship milk. So there's a hauler um, to a plant. The plant is where you get into, you know, your General Mills, your Nestle, your Danone, really the companies that we're all familiar with um, on the grocery store shelves. Uh, so there's a transporter, there's a lab to test, but the cooperative actually has much more control and power in, in this industry than most other industries. And they're really the facilitators of the supply chain. They're moving the money through from, 
from customer back to a producer. They're contracting the trucks. They're contracting the labs. Um, so we often work at the cooperative level. It's a really nice model because we get all of the farms overnight. I don't have to go sell to every farm in America door to door. Um, and then they bring on their hauling companies, um, all the drivers. They bring on their labs. They bring on their plants. So plants then start ordering through the system. Um, they bring on um, basically the entire supply chain. So it's really great for us. We have about 2,500 uh, farms contracted to be on the system today. Um, and to put it into perspective, we were about 250 in April as of last year. So we've kind of 10x everything across the business in the last year. We've 10x farms, milk managed, revenue, um, all of that. That was going to be my next question was in the last couple of years since 2018, really how have things expanded? That's amazing. Yeah, we... we you know, I think we were growing quietly and stealthily, not even, you know, on purpose, but really figuring out the foundations of, of how to build the software from 2018 to, to 2020. Uh, we did Techstars Farm to Fork. It's a fantastic venture-backed accelerator program. We were really focused on building a good business. Um, and then when we raised our seed round in April of last year, we brought on Dynamo Ventures. Um, they're a friend of FreightWaves and and they're both the supply chain expertise. And then on the, uh, basically the heels of that, um, things just really started to pick up. So we signed the second largest dairy cooperative in the U.S., California Dairies, which was exciting, very exciting. Um, and then things just started to go from there. I think we got the validity that we needed, that we needed from the market. Um, and yeah, it's been a banner year. Rob, I've already admitted this to you, that I'm an almond milk drinker. And I apologize. Yes. <laughs> but the question is, <laughs> no apology. there's there's all these trends out there. Uh, the consumer isn't just buying 2% milk anymore. And so can you tell me, where do you think that this is going? Maybe the dairy industry as a whole or or where this product could go? Yeah. And, and as we chatted briefly about and so the U.S. dairy market actually still grew about 1.6% from 2020 to 2021. Um, but what we're absolutely seeing is a change in the products that are being consumed. So um, yogurt, kefir, whey, all of those things are on the rise. But Americans and Canadians are, are frankly drinking less milk at home. Um, but the industry is still growing uh, or is still unstable in most places. At a global level, actually, the industry is growing between 6 and 8% year over year, um, largely because of developing nations. And so when uh, middle classes grow, dairy often grows in parallel with that because it's a consistent, uh, relatively affordable way to get protein into your you know, growing kids. And so we've always seen that throughout history. Um, but I think as where we're going is, it's been interesting. So, um, you know, we've got 55 employees, the average age is 29. I think we've got about 12 lactose intolerant people on, on um, the payroll, but they're passionate about just building a future of an industry, right? Um, and I think even they will say, oh, I, I don't put milk in, I put oat milk in my coffee, but I still love cheese every once in a while, right? And so I think it's just changing how we're interacting with dairy. And there's a real push from the consumer level um, I think Fairlife Coca-Cola is a fantastic example of this. It's high protein, low lactose milk. And I think a lot of people went to alternative milk and realized that it might not have been as healthy as they thought and maybe not as environmentally friendly as they were told. Um, and now they're saying, okay, I'm going to come back to milk, but I want it to fit my lifestyle a little bit better. So that's what we're watching for sure. I would love to see the numbers on cheese production in the last <laughs> five years. I am a big proponent of stacking up on cheese. I, I was... I, I'm at, it's on my grocery list, of course, but the amount of charcuterie boards that I think people are getting into is the numbers are out there. So I think absolutely. I think that would absolutely support this. <laughs> yes, I wish I had the numbers, but I think anecdotally, you just hit the nail on the head. I think every restaurant um, in America has yeah a charcuterie board on their menu. That's true. <laughs> 
So going into Milk Movement's goals, I know we've you said you've grown 10 times in almost every sector here. What maybe might be the next goals for the next five years or what are we looking forward to? It's it's definitely continued growth. We're on a rapidly you know we're on a rapid growth um, projectile here. We're a venture backed organization, um, and so we're going to keep um, we're going to keep growing as quickly as we have. We want to go from twenty five hundred to five thousand farms by Q one. We want to go from thirty billion pounds managed, which is actually about fifteen percent of all U S fluid milk. We want to get closer to fifty billion by Q one. Um, our numbers are showing we can get there, which is really exciting. Um, but what I'm most excited about and um, is really just building a, an awesome product for our for our customers. We have the best dairy supply chain product globally, hands down. Um, and our clients say that, and our potential clients say that. But you know, we've grown very quickly, and we've had a lot of people take a risk on us. You know, large billion dollar organizations take a risk on a little startup from Canada. Um, and so we we need to invest in the product. We need to make sure um, that it's that it's doing what it's what it's said to be, and that it's surpassing expectations and delighting clients. And we have a fantastic relationship with our clients. Um, we are not a legacy software provider that is not going to listen to your feedback. That's not going to make changes. Um, you know, most of the C-suite executives have my of these organizations have my co-founder or I on speed dial. They'll call and say this page has got to look different, um, and we fix it. You know, a week later or some days hours later, it's fixed. So we're just logical, rational people, and we want to build the best software possible for our clients. You talk about how great things have been and, and how much the company has grown. But of course, it's not a straight line to success. What has been the challenging parts of, you know, creating Milk Movement? I think switching from, um, not switching, but, you know, breaking into the U.S. I, I believe um, going back to the Canada's dairy industry is unique. Um, and so I think people saw our software as, um, you know, tied to that. And we really had to educate to say that it actually wasn't, it would work for any country. So I think breaking into the U.S. Um, and then at the end of the day, dairy is still very traditional and agriculture is as well. And so we are still the new kids on the block in some ways. And it takes client referrals. It takes people, you know, seeing successful go lives. Um, and so that's happening more and more. Um, but, you know, we find that um, just getting more people on the system, more champions, uh, more evangelists of milk movement will help us get there. Um, but yeah, I think it's really was cracking in there and proving that we could really make this work at a large scale, which, which we did, like I said, the second largest in the U S is on the system. Um, we've proven it and now we're just ready to take a, take over the country. When you had talked about how companies were using regular pen and paper, Excel sheets, and I know you said some of those Excel sheets were quite extensive, but I just, I imagine it being difficult to move from, uh, you know, a system that they've been using for years, some for decades especially when it comes to the pen and paper and moving them to a technology. I mean, what do you think is is maybe the holdup that some companies have? Or is it just, you know, they're not sure that they want to learn something new? Or is it something that, you know, it's technology and they don't quite want to move there yet? What do you think? I think every human is afraid of change, right? And so it's really our job um, to realize that we're not a software providing company. We are really partners. We are there to guide you through change. You know, we have long implementations. They're months long. This is not an app on the app store that you purchase and you use an hour a week or 10 minutes a week. You know, we've got 10 accountants. Um, we've got hundreds, uh, thousands of drivers. Like we've got people uh, that need to use this system to do their job 40 hours a week. And so um, it's really about being partners, about being on the ground with them, um, knowing that that we're there. And it's about, yes, really aggressive training. Um, you know, I think the challenging piece is, you know, challenging, dry, or it's challenging to get drivers who have done something for 40 years to use this. 
Um, but surprisingly, we get there, right? And, and we've learned over the years how to how to do it right and how to train them. Um, but we we see them gamifying it. We see drivers competing with their like fellow or their colleagues and how fast they can get a pickup engine and milk movement and um, really competing on it. And so uh, I think it's just communicating that the change is good and then just committing to be partners along the way. But we take that very seriously. We don't minimize um, what it takes, uh, you know, these organizations trusting us at this level. Change isn't always bad. It's not. <laughs> you, you had talked about how you've heard from your customers and that they're enjoying this product, but I'd, I'd love to hear what customers are saying about it and how it's exactly helping them. Yeah, one of our customers, um, what we actually the, the California dairies, um, they're the, like I said, second largest in the U.S. They they actually came back to us a few weeks ago and, and gave us some really awesome feedback. But they said we're really changing how decision making it happens at the C-suite executive. They said we they're changing how they view supply chains and what uh, what is possible for their supply chain. Um, and they just said this is really an elegant and flexible dairy solution at their fingertips every day. Um, which was, you know, awesome and very rewarding for us to hear because that's what we believe. Um, but to hear, you know, they've got a very complex supply chain, um, and, and you can imagine they're moving 17 billion pounds of milk a year. And so to hear that we can that we can give that, like, if we can really affect change at that level, um, it, it's yeah, it's very it builds a lot of confidence. And I guess that would be the goal is to change people's decision making because that's exactly what this is helping, right? Yeah, you know, dairy has traditionally been um, a, a static industry. And, you know, long-term contracts, um, it's very, someone, a plant will order 50 loads of milk a day for the next two or three years. But consumer trends are changing faster than two or three years. And so our, our you know, our big bet is building a dynamic dairy supply chain that can respond to um, trends as they're changing. That we know that Greek yogurt can, um, we, we project it'll be on the rise in, in three months, but we can get the supply chain ready uh, earlier, right, so that we're prepared for it. We don't want to see what happened at the pandemic again. We were, you know, dumping milk in some states and then no butter on grocery store shelves in the in other states. Um, that can't happen, right? We we need to get control of this, and we believe we're the right ones to help do that. Great Waves is all about predicting what's going to happen, so you know, support that absolutely. So tell <laughs> me, tough. what exactly is next for Milk Mo- Movement? Movement. Um, what can we see? Anything new coming up? Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, very exciting uh, announcement coming next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. I, I can't say yet, but um, but we're really, really excited about it, it, you know the future of what we're building here um, and bringing more people at, at, to the table. I think we you know we realized changing an industry like this, um, bringing an industry forward like this, it, it's gritty, it's tough work, um, and we need the best and brightest people um, all across the world to help us do this. So please go look at our careers page. We're we're hiring all the time. Lots of new posts coming up. Um, we want you know product leaders and engineers, customer success leaders. Uh, we really need the best to help us do this. Um, and we're committed to finding the best. And then there's some exciting new partnerships as well. We've often worked very closely with dairy cooperatives and and processors and the farms, um, but some new exciting partnerships that I think will give people a pause um, to think about, but it really makes sense in our bigger vision of, of an end-to-end dairy supply chain that's working dynamically. So lots to come. That exciting news you mentioned, I'm going to get it out of you and I'm going to have it on my newsletter next week when you're ready to announce it, if that's fine with you. Please. I hope you do. <laughs> Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before I let you go, though, you kind of mentioned it just maybe 20 seconds ago, but where can folks find you? Where can he- people hear more about Milk Movement? Yeah. I mean, we're on Twitter. We're active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, it's milkmovement.com. Two O's in movement. Um, Twitter is at Milk Movement. 
Um, and then milk movement slash careers um, has lots of posts there. I think we've got about 10, or if you go to our homepage and click careers, I think we've got at least 10 jobs posted, um, probably closer to 20 to 30 coming in, in the next few months. Um, so now is absolutely the time. If you're interested in food, supply chains, dairy, uh, anything, please reach out. So Milk Movement plans on growing, expanding their job force as well. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rob. It's so great to have you on the show. And I would love to hear about all the information afterwards. So I'll be shooting you an email and we'll get that going on my newsletter for next week. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you so much. This is great. Bye now. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, my series of Friday Running on the Ice will be tonight at 7 p.m. And I will have this show linked in there. So if anybody missed it, they can check it out there. It's Running on Ice. You can subscribe to it at FreightWaves.com, where you can stay updated on all the industry news and hear more from Rob Forsyth himself. And next Friday, you won't want to miss it. I'll be talking with Thermal Custom Packaging and what they're doing in the industry for some new cool packaging. Stay tuned. I will see you next Friday.